The one thing that I believe would work everywhere is fighting. Because it doesn't matter what color you are, what country you come from, or what language you speak. We're all human beings and fighting's in our DNA, man. We get it and we like it. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to this week's episode of The Wocast. Joining me from New York, New York, is my homegirl, G from Wo TV. Hey Mike, what's going on? Well, my voice is back. I'm no longer coughing and spluttering. I, I, you know, just in case though, I was thinking of going out and getting an inhaler. What do you think? <laughs> you need an inhaler, just not in between rounds, okay? You know what? I spoke to the commission. They said it was all right. They said it was okay and I'll, I'll be good. Shit, okay. I, I support you in this decision, but you're going to start inhaler gate in the UK. So that's your business. Which kind of leads us on to, well, the talking points of today. And that is basically recapping what happened over the weekend at UFC. Our special guest joining us is Paul Semtex Daly, who had an opponent change. But as well as that, we'll be looking at the forthcoming action this coming weekend, UFC Singapore. And we have two Bellator cards back to back, plus the all-important listener mail. But on top of that, Cairo, the man, the myth, the legend joins us this week, this week and every week for his segment. I want to call it Cairo's Corner, but I'm sure, you know, he'll develop his own name for his segment. Oh, I like that, though. I hope he likes that, too. That's kind of hot. Cairo's Corner. You know, I don't know about you, but this weekend was kind of not just filled with fighting, but I mean, I had a pretty full on weekend. How about yourself? What did you get up to? Same as usual, schoolwork, hanging out with friends, you know, relaxing, nothing special. And of course, MMA. Well, I, I kind of discovered a couple of things. And that is um, with my old ass, Audible. <laughs> Audible, basically, um, they will read the books to you. And uh, I got a free pass. So basically, I've got that on 30-day download. I'm, I'm actually checking out Rakim's book, um don't sweat the technique it is dope not only is rakim actually reading it to you but it cost me nada because i got it through um as i say a free trial on audible so um i have to say that's been keeping me busy but you know what else has been keeping me busy watchmen tell me that you caught watchmen over the weekend badass how can i watch how can I catch that show when you have me watching Peaky Blinders? I'm obsessed and I'm hooked. Like, I'm not watching anything until I'm done with Peaky Blinders. And it's your fucking fault that I watch this and I'm caught up on this. This is such a distraction in my life, Michael. But this show is great. You know something? There has to be some way that you can pry into that 24-hour day because you do definitely need Watchmen in your life. I love the way that, you know, I was all thinking that this was going to be, you know, the same whole popcorn approach that, you know, many others, when you actually spin off into and segue into um, miniseries, which are based on, you know, iconic figures. Now, Watchmen for me, I thought the movie was kind of dope. I really enjoyed it so many years ago. But the fact is, I was also um, a big fan of uh, the comic now for me this was incredible what they actually did not only like you know the you know racial undertones and well I suppose there's parallels with what's going on now but the fact that they 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 heaped up a 
big dose of history, a big dose of American history, but then made it relevant to what's going on today. Absolutely incredible performances as well from Regina King. I am hooked. I sat there open mouthed. Yeah. Oh my God. Not only is she like a wonderful actress, she's like so hot. But anyway, keep going. Oh my God. Anyway, but no, I have to watch this now. Yeah, I, I thoroughly recommend. We'll put it this way: um, they're billing that as the pilot episode, and I have to say, I, I'm thoroughly hooked. I mean, I, I'm actually after I finish editing this tonight, I'm going to watch it again because there are so many tropes, there are so many, um, well, there are so many symbols and uh, callbacks to not just the comics but to the film. Um, I'm sure I missed a gang of them, but you know, segueing neatly into. Things which, you know, we would have watched over the weekend, UFC. Now, you and I, we had um, pick for pick, I would say, parallel picks on the uh, the main card. And yeah, thanks very much, Gina, for blowing up my spot. Letting people know that I'm, I, I, I skipped the prelims over the weekend. And uh, Gina's like, yeah, Mike's like, fuck the prelims. <laughs> you doing you you and then you neatly cropped out cropped out the prelims and was like oh these are my picks um where are the 10 other fights michael cut it out well we, we because of brevity we are gonna concentrate on on the main card unless there were any uh fights on the prelims which actually caught your eye because you know mike i didn't see a goddamn thing <laughs> um what caught my eye on the prelims most definitely was the meatball and Diana Belbita. Um, you know, Molly won by decision. And I thought the first round, uh, Molly had to make some adjustments. I feel like Diana came out, established a nice jab, and was kind of was getting her. Had Molly on the back foot just a little bit. But Molly, as one of my favorite things in MMA, what I love to see is to see the fighter adjust mid-fight and get the upper hand, and that's what Molly did, and she got the decision win. And I think that's also a big segue for, I would love to see her fight Macy Barber, but we can talk about that a little later. But yes, the prelim fight that caught my eye the most was Molly McCann and Diana, and I'm a full-fledged, hardcore meatball fan. I can't wait till she keeps going up in the ranks and we see her in more interesting and challenging fights, but we're also going to let her improve and develop as well. Not improve, but develop as well. I don't want them to rush her just because she's a you know a fan favorite. But um, what's on your brain for this card? What's going on? Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, I had to double back and actually catch um, Molly's performance. And uh, Meatball, oh, okay. meat, meat, Meatball Molly, it was good to see her back in the willing win column. Um, now she seems to, what, it's, that's her second win in the UFC. But for me, um, I, I think you, we and I, or you and I, you know, have to admit what's happening here. She was, um, I suppose, given something which was going to not necessarily test her, but literally showcase her skill and showcase her skill. It did. It allowed you to see, you know, her striking prowess. And um, basically, um, I'm just like you. I want, you know, her next fight to be a step up. I want her next fight to be a challenge. And I want it to also, yeah, stretch her as well. Yeah. And I want, I want it to be somebody also that matches her personality. You know, not to say that I want like a fake beef, but Molly gets in everybody's face and the way it is, she talks shit. You know what I mean? I kind of want somebody to match that uh, pre-fight intensity. And that would 
be Macy Barber. I think they'd sell a good fight as well. But I completely understand why Macy, that's a step down to her. And she wants, you know, a step up or at least, you know, the fake uh, Paige Van Van fight. And when I say fake meaning, it has nothing to do with rankings, but she wants her shine. She wants to take Paige Van Zandt's publicity and fan base and get her name on the map through, you know, like beating a celeb type fighter. But I think Macy is not going to go down and fight Molly. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't work in her favor, but I think that fight is for the fans, most definitely. I mean, sticking with the Brits, segueing into the main card, and I'm glad he did actually make it onto the main card, was Darren Stewart um, against Darren oh, Wynn. Yeah. Now, for me, um, I love the fact that, you know, for me, being a, an ex-Taekwondo practitioner, it was good to see those Taekwondo movements in the cage. I mean, don't get me wrong. Um, I, I, I like the fact that, you know, his cardio was severely tested in there against Deron Win, But I just love the fact that, you know, he went in there with the Taekwondo stance. He went in there with the Taekwondo sidekick. And it was good to see, you know, Taekwondo on blast, basically showcased in the octagon. But as well as that, I just love the fact that even though this beef was seemingly ongoing, even though, um, you know, I, I personally think that um, Deron Win took it a little bit too far, calling into um, the whole argument, um, Darren, oh, Darren Stewart's mum. I love the fact that every single time, I love the fact that every single time that Darren Stewart gets on the mic, he reps my hometown, he reps where I'm from, and that is East London. I love that. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> I'm happy for you, Mike. Who did, did you think there was any controversy with the win? Because even myself, the first time I watched it, I, I honestly thought uh, Duran won, but I had to rewatch the fight. But what did you think of the um, Dar- Darren Stewart actually winning this fight? Personally, I think that uh, Darren took the first round, but definitely um, Darren came back in the second and third. Think about it. When yeah. um, Darren uh, when actually took um, Darren to the canvas what did he do I mean all he was doing it was either resting or you know there was not no activity whatsoever now for me um I feel as though um looking at that because I actually watched it twice I actually thought um Darren was the busier fighter Darren was the most impressive fighter and Darren did the most so he definitely deserved to win that Yeah, and I think, you know, being my old school mentality and also seeing the takedowns that were so ferocious by the smaller man, after a while I was like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, he's winning the fight because of all these takedowns. But when you rewatch it and you also check out the fight stats and the metrics, then you're like, I can see how Darren won. And it's what you said. He was the busier fighter. If you look at the stats, he he lands 77% of all the strikes higher than Darren. He has more significant strikes. And the only thing that um, Darren had, excuse me, the only thing um, Darren has on Darren is that he had more takedowns, but he didn't do anything with them. He didn't land any heavy bombs. He didn't go for any submissions. He just literally took it down and tried to hold him. And I also question, like, why is somebody who's five six and can't make weight in this division still fighting middleweight? Like, I think um, Deron Wynn needs to go back and just maybe talk to his coaches about some things because I think his size is, is just kind of interesting for the middleweight division. But after watching the fight, 
you know, the second time, Darren Stewart won that fight. I got my senses together. Because I was one of those people on Twitter like, fuck that. That's a bad call. You know, but no, I, you know, but sometimes you have to rewatch the fight. You're not distracted. I'm not tweeting. I'm, I'm not eating, you know, a taco. Like I sit down and I focus more and I take into consideration both sides of what people are saying. And then I watch it again. You read the stats and you're like, yes, Darren did more. He struck, he outstruck him. He had the significant strikes. You know what I mean? So he, he, he definitely won that fight. Okay, just before we look at the next fight, Greg Hardy versus Mr. Sassoli, I think it's only right that we bring in our weekly pundit, and that is Kairos, to address us. Yes. Now let's just dive into UFC Boston. Greg Hardy was facing off against Vince Sassoli. And based off of my very reliable card scorings, I had Greg Hardy winning 20 to 18 going into the third. That wasn't good enough. The Prince of War was short of breath and needed a boost. So he asked someone out of frame if he could use his inhaler. And no one seemingly knew the correct answer, which is no, of course. Now, am I a professional fighter? No. Do I know all MMA Unified rules? No. But I can tell you this, never in my entire life have I ever seen an inhaler used in a fight. And why would I deduce this? Probably because it's illegal. I don't know, guys. I, I don't know. That's just me. And there are some notable names who even stated that this would have been the same outcome regardless of the inhaler. And among those notable names are Mike Perry. Now, me, I'm lost for words. What do you think, Mike and Gina? Please, please help me. Yeah. Yeah. This is classic. I personally feel as though Kairos has hit the nail firmly on the head. I think there is a, a tad of, well, there, there, is a, there is a smattering of illegality in what actually occurred there. Not only did he ask permission. Now, that must say or that must ring alarm bells first and foremost. Why would you feel as an asthma sufferer that you would have to ask permission to use your inhaler? Now, I know for a fact that must have been running through his mind because that is why he asked permission. But not only that, um, what was he thinking in bringing the inhaler to the cage? Again, he must have second-guessed himself in terms of whether it was permissible or not, hence the reason why. I'm with Kairos when he says, you know what, that's illegal. I think in terms of the benefits that he's getting from that, that in itself I feel is a performance enhancement. Now, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm overanalyzing this. Maybe I'm going too deep. But again, we are looking at Greg Hardy. Again, we are looking at a terrible performance. But again, we're actually asking ourselves, and why is it that, you know, we are, again, not talking about any positivity when it comes to Greg Hardy, but here we are at negativity's door. So for me, first and foremost, I wanted to say thank you to Kairos for coming on board the WOCast. But secondly, thank you, Gina, for actually negotiating his terms and um, uh, paying him handsomely. But thirdly, um, you know, Greg Hardy is no longer the villain. He is no longer the supervillain. He is now a mega villain. He's the boss on the on the video game level. Like he's the guy you gotta beat at the end of the game. Like he he's the boss. Like when I tell you, Michael, I am done with this dude. It's like he's like that woman you meet that just has so much. 
baggage. You know what I mean? And after a while, you're just like, I don't even want to deal with you. You cute, but forget it. And that's how I feel about him. We got to watch him learn how to fight, which means his fights are boring. And then he breaks the rules. He needs somebody. And now he has this qualified. And then now this fight, what happens here? He brings a goddamn inhaler to the fight. Doesn't use it prior to the fight like some people that have asthma, including myself. I use it before I exercise because I know I need my airways to be open because I'm going to do vigorous activity. Someone like Greg Hardy doesn't know this. And here's another question. Does Greg Hardy work by himself? Does he not have coaches that know more than him or that mentor him and guide him and know that you can't use an inhaler? Why was this just something that they just thought was a good idea out of nowhere? And who was the guy that they asked? I have so many questions, but the only thing that I do know is that the inhaler is wrong. And you could tell, even myself, I don't know the rules like that. I don't fight in a cage. But did you notice the reaction of Coach Trevor Whitman, Dominic Cruz, and Daniel Cormier? They were stunned. They couldn't even call the fight anymore. They were disgusted and just like, oh my God, he just used an inhaler. This is nuts. You know what? I say it goes against the rules. You know what I mean? You know what I feel? Their reaction wasn't necessarily just toward Greg Hardy. I feel they were looking at Din Thomas because Din Thomas, a seasoned vet of the Octagon, Din Thomas, his coach, Din Thomas basically allowing that to actually take place. I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck was you thinking? Maybe this guy gets so much special treatment, maybe they're thinking he can get away with it. I hate to throw in a conspiracy theory in the mix, but it doesn't make sense. This is not adding up. Dean Thomas knows the rules. We have never, I've been watching this sport for over a decade. You have trained and been watching this longer than me. Have you ever seen an asthma pump used in tough in any of these fights, in any of them? Bellator, Pride, no, never. <laughs> this is nuts. And this is what I said again, Mike. I'm tired of, of Greg Hardy being able to learn on the job. You know what I mean? It's like they hired him with no experience and then we get forced to watch him. Why? Put him on the prelims until he figures out he can't be a downed opponent or that he can't take asthma pumps or, or do steroids in between rounds. Like, can we just get him, like, other fighters to replace him on the main card? He's not main card material. He's a distraction, and he's always fucking up. He has a ton of baggage, too, with the domestic violence. It's just what you said in the beginning of this segment. It's nothing but negativity. That's all he brings to the university. Negativity. You know what? Charlie Murphy said it best. Greg Hardy is a habitual line stepper. <laughs> I said, yeah, I believe it. I mean, what's going to happen is next fight, some purpose eye poke. He doesn't know you can't poke someone in the eye. He did like, and then on top of it, the quality of the fights are terrible. He gasses out. His opponents cannot adjust. They, they don't have the experience. You know, they, they make even worse mistakes than him in the octagon. You know, and then we have this fight that's just awful to see. It's just enough is enough. Find a different... And then here's another thing. Michael, were you listening to the commentary where Daniel Cormier was... Excuse me, Daniel Cormier was kind of feeding us this comeback story and this redemption story about him? 
Well, that's just it. Look, they we all know that they've been fed the narrative and that is... This is a household name which we have to love and nurture. This is a household name which we have to bring along. This is a household name which is actually bringing eyes to the sport. That is why he's on the main card fucking up. And at the end of the day, I do not feel this is going to be the last time. I really feel we are going to see a catalogue of errors going forward. Because he's learning on the job. So when you learn on the job, you tend to make more mistakes than somebody that was actually hired and qualified for the position, you know? So, and that's why I find him so utterly annoying. One, I don't like him because of his past, but he's here and I'm stuck with him and I'm an MMA fan. Mm. But but what's getting on my nerves is that the learning on the job bullshit, you're wasting our time and your fights aren't fun. (laughs) Like on the contender series, when he had a couple of knockouts, okay, some of them were pretty cool. But now that he's in the big leagues, his, his fights don't interest me. And I might have to be like some of my other friends that just don't even watch his fights. Like, I, I'm really not missing nothing. He's just, he's hearing nothing but an ex with a lot of baggage. That's it. You know, speaking of fun fights, we waited for this. Uh, the anticipation, I have to say, was further fueled by the fact that it didn't happen the first time around and it was stopped prematurely. But Yara Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens, what a fight. I would, I'm going to stick my neck out here. I would go so far as to say that was one of my fights of the year. Plus, I want to do a little bit more digging about Yair Rodriguez. I'm sure he must have done taekwondo because, again, I've never seen any, I, well, I've never seen anybody trying to pull off a crescent kick in the octagon. And uh, it's lovely to see those techniques, those fundamentals actually, you know, creeping in. But for me, um, I well, we both called it. Yeah, Rodriguez coming away with that um, that that victory. I, I I really do feel that considering the build up, considering the fact that you know Jeremy Stevens talking or talking this up going into this. I mean, incidentally, that pre fight weigh in and the goggles stroke of genius on the scales. <laughs> Jeremy Stevens wearing those goggles. I have to say, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this fight. Oh, this fight was just so much fun. And I, you know, I applaud us both for calling it out properly. Not only the winner, but me and you both kind of said that he was going to win this with dynamic striking and mm. in dynamic fashion. Mm. And although he, did, although he got the KO, that's exactly what happened. I mean, as soon as the fight started, he came out with like a, like a flying kick. As soon, as soon as the fight started, flying kick and then a spinning back fist. And then what I love too, was the kicks to keep Jeremy at, bay so he's throwing all this fancy shit but it's also strategic with the calf kicks like he's keeping him at bay keeping him at the range that he needs so that he can throw all this dynamic beautiful shit which was really really nice so that's why you saw all the hard body kicks the spinning back fist the flying kicks he had he was he had everything under control even had some nasty ground and pound and it got to the point where to me in the third round jeremy was like fuck it i just gotta come forward and fight this dude you know what I mean? Like, it's not a five-round fight. I got to come forward and I got to do something. And that's when he started to brawl. And he had a little bit of success because now Yair was on the defensive. But it wasn't enough. And Yair was still landing the more significant strikes. So it was just a beautiful, beautiful fight. And it's like, it's kind of one of those fights where I want to be like, I told y'all. Like, I don't care how poorly Yair acted or how many MMA Twitter people were like, man, fuck yeah, Jeremy's going to beat his ass. You can dislike him as much as you like. Yeah, it's just a better fighter. And, and we all, you know, kind of called that, you know. 
And speaking of better fighters, um, the main event, Dominic Reyes and Chris Weidman. Again, we call this, we knew how this was going to go down. And uh, it would seem as though, you know, for me, Chris Weidman is now way past his best, especially, you know, when you take into account, again, that chin. It was almost as though the moment he was hit, he quit. Now, for me, I, you know, I, I was replaying in my mind and he actually went and revisited his fights with, you know, um, Anderson Silva uh, both times. And I really do feel that's as good as it gets. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, before we go into it, again, we need to applaud ourselves here. We've been killing the picks. See, see we know a thing or two sometimes, <laughs> Mike. But yeah, I mean, totally agree with you. You know what I mean? And it's just, I don't even think like Chris gave up. I just think like it was just a hard shot to the chin and it dropped him. And I and I talked about that, um, those counters from Dominic Reyes in the last um, episode, although he did not knock out OSP, it's the same thing. He, it's either a straight left or a straight right that just touches somebody's chin and they hit the ground. And it's because, you know, Dominic can fire them off coming forward and he does it beautifully he counters beautifully going backwards so as you're coming in like chris did coming in cutting off the distance so that she can get that clincher takedown chris came in with his chin straight up Uh. and came right forward and dominic reyes was able to just hit that chin and just get out of the way and then come back with the ground attack but you can't you can't rush forward like that with him you know his counters are ridiculous and i just think chris's chin is a little tapped and he goes out on the floor, too, if you watch closely as he's getting ground and pound. He goes to sleep, wakes back up from a punch. It was sad to see. And unfortunately, I don't know if you heard, but Chris was like, he's going to keep keep on trucking. He's, he still thinks he uh, can be a champion and he's not retiring. And that's, I think, the travesty here. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, we speak about this often in terms of yeah. um, him actually uh, retiring or, or calling it a day. I would never... You know, obviously, um, he pushed that his way. But, you know, I just want to just underline the point that I really do feel he's way past his best. And speaking of which, um, someone who definitely isn't way past their best, but had a change of opponent this coming Saturday where, you know, we are going to see Bellator going back to back um, on Friday and indeed on Saturday at Bellator 232. His original opponent was... Sabah Hamasi and uh, Paul Daly now faces Saad Awad. And uh, I have to say, it was a pleasure to actually catch up with him because he, uh, he unveiled a few gems, as you'll probably hear in this interview. It's a pleasure to welcome to the Wocast, friend of the Wocast, Paul Semtex Daly. How are you, Mike? I'm not as good as you. You are... Now, basically, um, looking forward to uh, yet another KO, I'm sure. Now, I just want to rewind ever so slightly because I remember a few conversations back. Basically, one of the things that you were very keen to impress upon me was, one, at the age of 36, you would be basically uh, leaving your gloves in the middle of the cage. Now, you are 36. You turned 36 in February. And if, yeah. I'm, if I remember rightly, is this not your last, if not penultimate, fight on your contract? It, it is. It is. It's the penultimate fight on the, on the current six-fight deal. Um, 
And you know, I'm normally a man of my word, so who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? We got till February twenty first of next year, which is when I turn thirty seven, to find out. Um, but you know, I'm in. A, I'm. I'm. For the first time, I can say that maybe I can see the end of this mixed martial arts career. I can see see it. I said it before, saying, "Yeah, thirty six. 36, I'm going to retire, but now I can I can visualize it. So I'm I'm thinking that I'm going to be a man of my word and and leave the fight game before I hit 37. In your mind's eye, okay, after you know you've completed this mission, you've got one left on your current contract, as you rightly say. But what does that look like? Does that look like a title shot, or you know? what a lot of people have been speculating recently and now it hasn't actually borne any fruit because said opponent who they were speculating that was supposedly being put together for the London card, i.e. Michael Venom Page, has a uh, dancing partner in Derek Anderson. Now, what a lot of people speculated was you weren't obviously too happy with that um, first outing and that you'd be happy to do that again. But, um, well, first of all, let's let's uh, let's just double back even further. I yeah. recently listened to you and saw you doing some quite spectacular commentating um, and punditry at Bellator, and you were very complimentary about Michael Venom Page. First of all, um, does that mean that you finally drawn a line in terms of, in your mind, uh, what quote unquote beef there was in that uh, well in that original rivalry, as it were? Yeah, but what, what what happened is, you know, I'm, I've Mike brought the beef. Mike Mike got emotional as to what he thought I said or had not said about him and the way it was meant. That let's get that out there. My my, I never really had a real problem with the guy. Um, so I'm if if there's compliments there, then I'll I'll give the compliments. You know, he's a great fighter and he has got some spectacular finishes. That's that can't be denied. Um, but yeah, there's no beef. Doesn't look like a rematch is in sight. I see Mike at, uh, in Dublin. Um, it was in a corridor, just me and Mike there. Nobody there. If it was going to happen, it was going to happen now. We're walking past each other. We're grilling each other. We're staring each other down. I turned and faced him and Mike turned to face me. And then he said, you know what? Let's just dead the beef. And I said, if that's what you want, let's let's do that. It seems like the sensible thing because the fight's done, it's been, it's gone, and you've got a fight tonight. So let's concentrate on that. I wished him good luck, and and he went and done the business. So I think the beef with Mike is is over. But I said in an interview today, money makes fights. If the money's there, then the fight can obviously be made. But for me right now, um, I'm looking looking at a bigger fight. Fingers crossed, the title fight or or whatever whatever will be. But I don't see Michael Page in, in in the next few fights, but I do see my next fight after this being in London. Uh, that's what I'm demanding from Bellator. So just on that, and, um, you know, th- thanks for the exclusive there. I didn't actually know this actually transpired backstage. One of the things which kind of intrigued me was this chatter around you and Michael Venom Page for the current London card, which is coming up on uh well it's at towards the end of november was there any truth to the rumor that you know that's one of the things that was actually being considered 
not didn't reach this didn't reach me. It might reach my manager, but it didn't reach me um, because it's just not a fight. I feel that it's interesting to me, unless there's money there, given my opinion on the first fight. Um, the beef is not there no more, so it's it's a hard sell, unless me and Mike go to acting school and go, go at it again. <laughs> can be done. If, if the money's there, if the money's there, then we'll happily do that for the fans. Um, but as it is, it's just not, it's just not there. The emotion's not there, um, so the fight's not there. Well, you know, moving forward, then now looking at uh, what could possibly be your last fight, you touched on the fact that you know you wanted it to be a title fight. Now, given the right circumstances, given the right scenario, who would that be against? Douglas Lima. I hope Douglas Lima wins, but and I, you know, not that, I, not that um, I dislike Rory, but I just, you know, Douglas for me is is my kind of fighter. You know, he's gonna, he's a fight, he's my kind of fighter, he's my guy. But before I actually fought him, I did say it. Not many people picked up on it, but we actually went out together. We was in, we did some Bellator. Um, media stuff and was out in Florida together, Universal Studios, went out to the clubs together, you know, so he's my he's my kind of person, I can hang around with him, we had fun, you know what I mean we was drinking and whatever so uh, I would like and, I, and we obviously we shared 15 minutes in the cage, he's a former champion um, he couldn't finish me and I didn't perform at my best and I, I rushed the fight and he's got better, he's got more dangerous but I've still feel it's in me to, to to put up a fight against him and beat him if all, all things being well so obviously before that you've got um some business to attend to just out of interest though i'm intrigued what does fight week actually look like for you what what, what exactly happens on fight week for paul semtex daily not much not much at all to be honest with you <laughs> make way do a little bit of shopping Go go eat some food, bust a few jokes with the team, and just loiter, <laughs> wait for the fight to happen. <laughs> Not much, you know. My my, my weight's good. Um, uh, yeah, man. I just I just try and enjoy the moment. You know, next fight's in a casino. I like the roulette table. You might see him on the roulette table. If not, I'm in a restaurant. If not, I'm in the mall. If not, I'm in the gym. Uh, if not, I'm, we're just in the room chilling. So, yeah, man, I've, I've been doing this so long that I enjoy fight week because it's like a holiday. It's that kind of atmosphere that we try to create in my team. So, it, it's like it's like just like a holiday. You know, on the Saturday, I get to fight. Incredible. As always, always a pleasure to have you on the Wocast, Paul. I mean, just before you go, I, I, I'm intrigued. In terms of a lasting legacy, not, obviously we're going to speak about this nearer the time, but in terms of a lasting legacy, when you do actually leave those gloves in the middle of the cage sometime next year. Now, what in your mind would you like your lasting legacy to be? I, I, I don't I honestly don't really have one. All I'm going to get, and I know I will get it, is the recognition because no one, it's going to be a long time for someone to do what I've done. And my coach has put out a post today uh, off his own back 
I've been in the Mark Weir, Lee Ramidos era. I've been in the Michael Bisping, Dan Hardy era. And I'm still here in the Conor McGregor, Darren Till and James Gallagher era at the highest level. No British fighter would do that in the next 10 years. I guarantee that. Incredible. As always, Paul, it's a pleasure to have you on the WOCast. And um, obviously, we'll be looking out um, what actually transpires on fight night. Good luck, sir. Nice one, man. Um, I don't know about you, but there was so much to actually take in there. I love the fact that him and, um, you know, um, MVP actually squashed their beef. I love the fact that, you know, it looks as though, let's just say he actually goes out there in spectacular fashion, deals with Sardawad. There is no doubt in my mind that London is getting a title fight next year. Nice. Yeah, I agree with you. And just to get back to the MVP thing, I'm glad they squashed it because it's like, I agree with Paul. They're probably not going to rematch. There's no animosity left in them and there's no reason to build it for a rematch. It, 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 it was decided. It was a close, fun fight and it's over. Let's move on. Why every time they see each other at a pub or someplace, they got to be beef. Let it go. You know, and I, and I like that. It just goes to show me that these, these men are mature and once they fight, let it go, it's over. And I like that. Because to me, that's also a sign of good sportsmanship as well. You know? You saw it with Yair and Jeremy after the fight. They made up, it's over. Let it go. And I like that about Paul. Exactly. For me, though, my thing was like, I'm a huge Paul Bailey fan. So to hear him just kind of contemplating retirement kind of just made my bottom lip stick out like a little baby. Like, I'm like, no, don't go. Like, the 37 is still like hella young Like <laughs> to me. I really hope he doesn't retire. I think there's still good, fun fights in him. And But at the same time, it would be a smart move because he's retiring on top. Like, he can go with a win, and he's had a pretty uh, lucrative and wonderful career. So this isn't someone whose chin is going out, and, and he, we're seeing him lose, lose, and lose. He, he's got a decent career here, and he's always had a good one. So to retire now would be optimal for him but as a fan like I still don't want to see it you know oh, definitely and uh, I suppose you know the fact that Bellator are putting out their stall twice at the weekend the only other matchup I have to say that I'm intrigued and uh, will be watching uh, quite keenly is Douglas Lima versus uh, the Red King Rory McDonald because I really do feel whoever wins that um, I, I really do feel we'll, um, well, I think at some point we are going to see Douglas Lima. I feel he, if he wins that, he's, he's going to the UFC. And I, I really do feel that, you know, the, the matchup then, uh, is wide open, I feel, for, uh, Paul Daly versus the Red King too. Yeah, that would be, that would be. I'm like flustered with a couple of things you just said. You said I was like, like I'm, whoa. Uh, Lima going to the UFC almost mm. took my breath away, literally. And then Paul Daly and Rory McDonald would be um, an awesome, awesome, awesome fight. So I'm down for both. Like, literally, when you both said those things, I just was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, overload, overload. Oh, my, that would be so dope. Yes. And I'm all for Lima. I'm already in my head matchmaking. Like, Lima in the UFC is somebody that would fit just right in and make his way right up the ranks, and I could see him fighting for a title. I think he's that good. We're not going to see somebody struggle in the UFC. You know, like, 
we're not going to see somebody like, damn, is he not that good? Or have like a Ben Askren type of story. I think he goes in there and he's a legitimate competition for any UFC fighter in that weight class. So 100%. Be awesome. 100%. And speaking of UFC, fight night. 162 goes down in Singapore. Now, looking down the card, I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, it's kind of trash. Um, for me, the, the, the real talking points um, from obviously this side of the pond is uh, all eyes will be on Stevie Ray when he takes on Michael Johnson. And obviously the main event, Damien Meyer versus Ben Askren. But just sticking with Michael Johnson versus Stevie Ray, you probably remember uh, when Stevie was actually on the show a few weeks back. Um, this is a bit of a precarious position for him at the moment. This is the last fight on his contract. And Basically, he needs a win, but going up against Michael Johnson, Michael Johnson, that I think is going to test his mettle. Oh, yeah. And I think the test will be uh, Michael Johnson has exuberant hand speed. And he's pretty damn good when his hands, when he's focused. And uh, I just think he's really fast. And I hope Stevie Ray um, is, is ready for that. And I hope he learned from his um, last bout where he kind of overextended and got knocked out, I believe, by uh, Santos. So uh, hopefully with Stevie Ray's um, back against the wall, he's uh, addressed some of these issues. But I think the issue here is that Michael Johnson is fast and he also hits pretty hard. I mean, he had Justin Gaethje, although he lost that fight, he had him on the back foot and hurt a couple of times. And even so, when he fought Khabib, he caught Khabib some nice shots to the point that Khabib was like, I'm not fooling with you. I'm going to take it down to the ground and beat your ass. And that's what happened. But let's not forget, everyone that fights Michael Johnson respects his hands and that speed. So that's what I think Stevie is going to have to deal with the most here. Um, can I just one fight that, believe it or not, at heavyweight has my attention. Are you familiar with Cyril um, Gagné, the French guy? Uh, he's on this card. He's kind of new to the UFC. If anybody um, wants to check out, like, Prospect, I would check this uh, French fighter out. He oh. won his last fight. Do you know what I'm talking about, Mike? Cyril Gagne. Uh, yes. I, I'm not sure. If, I, I don't remember seeing his last fight. Yes, he fought at UFC Fight Night 156 against Rafael Pesosa, and it was kind of cool to see such a big dude get an um, arm triangle choke. And he's um, he's incredibly agile, and he's also a pretty good striker as well. He's pretty well rounded, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see him in the UFC, uh, just to see like another fun heavyweight. He's four and zero right now, but um, I am excited to see him again in the octagon. I'm going to pay close attention to this fight. I, I have no idea who his opponent is. Neither does the UFC. His picture's black on the website. Dante Mays. I don't care, but I think um, I'm looking forward to seeing this. So, guys, if you're listening. Check out that heavyweight bout with Cyril um, Gagné from France. I, I have my eye on him as a prospect. So who do you fancy in the main event? I'm going with Damien Meyer, safe hands Meyer. I, I really do feel um, in terms of skill, in terms of uh, jiu-jitsu, obviously, ability. Um, I, just, I, I, I'm edging towards Damien Meyer. I just feel, obviously, it's going to be one which is uh, going to be a jiu-jitsu masterclass there. Um, I'm leaning towards Maya too, but believe it or not, I'm, I'm nervous. Although my money is on Damian Maya. And the reason why Ben makes me nervous is because Damian Maya does struggle with wrestlers. 
Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lot of his losses have been with really good wrestlers. And those losses include like Chris Weidman, you know, and, and Ben is like a really good grappler. I know we haven't seen much of it in his UFC stint, but um, he is a really good grappler that had a lot of experience overseas in that one championship. And not everybody he fought, You, I've said this too, but I do respect the fact that Ben has had some wars in one overseas and he didn't fight just a bunch of cans. I do give him his respect, but Damian Maya does struggle with wrestlers. He's lost to Kamaru Usman. He's lost to Kobe Covington. He's lost to Tyron Woodley. These are all people that are really, really, really good wrestlers. And so is Ben. So although my money is on Maya, I'm a little nervous. And don't forget, Ben is coming from that awful, awful, awful loss to, to Masvidal. He's got that questionable win over um, Robbie Lawler. So again, his back is against the wall. He, he's going to come out here and he's really going to try to get it done. And I'm pretty sure he's training really hard. I just can't imagine my UFC d- debut being such a debacle, even though it was a win. And then later on, you get knocked out by the flying knee from hell. Yeah, and it's yeah. one of the best highlights ever. Mm. And, and you showed up with a fan base. You showed up loud as fuck and arrogant. And then you showed up with your wrestling prowess. And then this is how... You know, you unveil this at the UFC. So long story short, he's got a lot. That's a lot of motivation. So he could be a dangerous uh, fighter that goes in, back to his roots and, and, and out-wrestles him. However, my money will be on Damian Maya because of just his jujitsu. He has really good uh, offensive wrestling. So we'll, we'll see. But I'm really intrigued by this matchup. I think it's going to be... Um, I think it's going to be fun. Mm. No, I hear you, and I, I, I'm with you. Um, well, our, our picks just, you know, seem to be mirroring each other of late. But just before, <laughs> yeah, just before we wrap up, it would be, I think, remiss of us if we didn't have a couple of listener mail items. What have we got? Let me break some of those out. I got a few here. Um, of course, we're hot off uh, inhaler gate, Greg Hardy. So Richard Bradshaw has a question. Um, he said, um, should there be charges made, not excuse me, should there be changes made for asthmatic fighters during fights? So basically, um, Richard, um, long story short, Richard has asthma and he doesn't really think that the inhaler thing was a big deal and that it was needed, but it did not give Greg Hardy an advantage. And he wants to know, should there be changes for asthmatic fighters? What do you think? Definitely not. I mean, when you think about it, he could have actually done that before he came out. And how long, how long, how long was he actually out there for before he needed that inhaler? Now, there's two things there. Is his asthma that bad that his performance would have been impeded if he didn't have that inhalation? If that's the case, he shouldn't be fighting. So... I would say it was a big transgression. It was a definite no-no. Um, that isn't what you do. Definitely, definitely not. Oh, I'm going to agree with you um, on you. Excuse me. I'm going to agree with you on this one because I feel like if you're if you need your inhaler and you're fighting and fighting, of course, involves what high intensity type of cardio and training and. If you're suffering and you're an asthma user and you need your asthma pump, to me, that's a health risk. So you shouldn't be able to get your inhaler. We need to be reevaluating. Are you even healthy enough to be fighting? Exactly. 
And then, and, and you know what I mean? My, to me, it's like the fight should be stopped mm. <laughs> if you need your inhaler because people that are asthmatic, they, they can unfortunately die. So, no, like I don't think there should be any changes. And I think we're just fine with fighters not needing or using their inhalers during fights. Next question, Your Honor. I know. We keep we keep agreeing. This is kind of getting weird. Um <laughs> <laughs> This is from my, my homie, Fighting With Myself Podcast. This is a cute question. Okay. He said, what fight are you guys most looking forward to for the rest of the year? Most mm. looking forward to? You know, I'm not going to lie. Um, Masvidal versus Diaz has piqued my interest. I love the fact that they've created that belt. I love the fact that, you know, we are looking at two of the baddest MFers in the UFC and you know they both wanted that fight and they both made it happen I love the whole way that this actually came about that is one fight which I can't wait for okay a couple of things I agree with you that's the fight that I'm looking for most because um it's bittersweet for me they're like uh, my two favorite fighters fighting each other so it's like I gotta see who's the better fighter for me I've been watching Matt you know what I mean I've been watching Masvidal since YouTube days Mm. no bullshit and then Nate and Nick Diaz since Strike Force Pride you know Nick Diaz and Pride but I've been watching the two of them for years so to see like two of my favorite fighters go at it and they're both strikers and really good has me like on edge this fight hasn't been made yet, but any day that Khabib and Tony Ferguson is announced, I'm going to be a mess. So I'm looking forward to that, and hopefully they do that at some point. However, Mike, I got a question for you. You like this corny BMF belt? Like, you you like this? You don't think it takes away from the validity of the sport or the integrity of the sport and the real belt? I love it for two reasons. One, the UFC is always about being on brand. This is as off-brand as you could ever be. Two, I love the fact that they are actually fighting for a belt because they sure as hell deserve to be. So on all fronts, the thing that really does make this for me is the fact that, you know, we have two of, well, I have to say two of, uh, two fan favourites. And it's almost like the fans actually willed this into existence. The fans are getting what they want. I hated boxing to the extent where, you know, matchups which should have been happening, you know, years and years in the making uh, took years and years to make. I love the fact that the fans called for this. And I love the fact that there was a belt attached to it. I, I, don't, I don't see there's anything to hate here. Oh, well, allow me to hate. <clears throat> so, <laughs> allow me to do that. Um, I don't I don't mind it having some like moniker or a cute like like name to it, but to actually make a belt to me opens the doors for like dumbass shit, like WWE type of um antics. I'm just always worried that pretty soon we're going to just have like tigers walking out the cage with fighters and just things are going to get out of hand and now my beloved UFC is going to turn into raw or whatever the crap I keep seeing on my timeline. Um I just don't get why a belt needs to be made and and also just like what's next? Like, you know, you know what I mean like glass chin award glass chin belt what what do we draw do we, you know what i'm saying that that would be like luke rockhold versus chris but wow it, what's what's who what's next like who needs to retire belt who, who's going down who's retiring like i just feel like once you do that 
more shit is to come because if this does well and the fans clamor for it, we're going to see, we're going to see an era of like, we kind of went too far and we should have stopped at the BMF belt. But I think it's cute. We just don't need fake, um, you know, belts or whatever, but we'll see how it plays out. And, and I'm more concerned with the fight than, than the belt anyway. And then also Mike, isn't, isn't like the rock going to wrap it around the winner's belt. Are you kidding me? Mm. That 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 to me was a step too far. I mean, we we didn't need the rock. We had everything, and then you know the rock comes along and just fucks it up. That but that's what happens when you do corny stuff. It gets cornier, yeah. you know. So that's that's my concern. But we got time for one more. Okay, one more. Okay, this is Karis just doesn't stop, bro. Like he not only does a segment, but he like sends in a question, and I love him. So Karis wants to know. Everyone is demanding a step up in competition for Greg Hardy. Is Bam Bam Tuivasa appropriate for him? Because he said, because let's be honest, they aren't giving him Rumble or anyone in the top 10 anytime soon. So what do you think of Greg Hardy versus Bam Bam Tuivasa? Nah, don't like that at all. You know what I do like? There's a guy um, just recently signed, um, I think... From memory, his name's Aspinall. Um, trains with Darren Till. I, I can't for the life of me remember his, his, first, his first name. I'm going to look it up. I think it might be Tom. Tom Aspinall. Um, let's, let's just run with that just for a second. He is new to the UFC. This is a guy who is going to be, um, I would say, green to the octagon. I would love to see Greg Hardy actually welcome Tom Aspinall to the UFC. That is a fight I'd like to see. That sounds pretty interesting. I haven't heard of him, so I'm going to have to, like, look him up. And hopefully he's new, but, like, also on his level as well, not like, you know, Greg Hardy versus Can again. And, um, no, but I'm going to have to check him out. Here's my pick for the fight. You're not going to like it. I think we've discussed this before. Give him Todd Duffy. It's a step up in competition, but it's also not somebody that is, you know what I mean? Like, if he loses from that, he can bounce back from it. But at the same time, I still think that's a winnable fight. I wasn't impressed with Todd's comeback fight when he got poked and he went home blissfully. And also, too, if, if Greg can avoid his Todd Duffy's hard shots and the takedowns, you know, he can win that fight. And somebody's going to sleep. That's, somebody's getting knocked out. So I like Todd Duffy for um, Greg Hardy. I don't think Bam Bam is a good uh, – I think Bam Bam smokes him, to be honest with you. I don't think um, he's on the same level as Tui Vasa. I think to beat Tui Vasa, you got to take him down to the ground. And we haven't really seen um, Greg Hardy really go go ham yet with takedowns. He's Now he's just doing like little leg kicks. That's the latest thing he learned. So Yeah. And also, you know, breaking the rules. But, you know, I think Bam would be too much for him. Yeah. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Wocast. You can follow me at MikeWoTV on Twitter. And G, where can people get a hold of you? G from Woe TV, but only be nice or you'll get dragged. Just kidding. Until next week, make some trouble. Yep, see ya.